welcome to another episode of Proactive Parenting, a new show where I offer you judgment-free advice on how to raise value-driven children in a way that's right for your family using the most current, recent scientific information. I'm your host, Dr. Deanna Marie Mason. I'm a certified nurse practitioner, published author, and expert in child development. I'm also the mom of two gorgeous children, and I know firsthand how much pressure and misinformation is out there. That's why I'm here. So grab a cup of tea or coffee and settle in. Let your guard down because this is a safe space to ask questions and to get real honest answers about how to raise kids in a way that works for you and your family. Now, today's session is actually going to be a two-part series, and I want to focus on separation anxiety with a special attention placed right now to COVID-19. I know school's about to start, which is always a stressful time for families and kiddos of all ages, but this year it's especially tough because of the changes that have been going on with COVID. So for this two-part series, I want to divide it in two sections. The first being going over how separation anxiety is a normal part of childhood at every age and stage and talking about what that looks like at each age group. And then taking the second part to talk about how specifically COVID is influencing that separation anxiety. And more importantly, some flexible family strategies that you can use to help your kiddos manage this situation that we're all living through and really being aware and honest about what those changes are, how they influence our family, and then what are some specific actions we can do to feel more empowered and help our children through this process. So today, let's start by discussing the general topic of separation anxiety, which happens to all of our kiddos at different points in their life for developmental reasons. And you may be noticing that right now with with the pandemic that, well, it might be more pronounced. So let me assure you, first of all, that separation anxiety is a completely, absolutely normal childhood and adolescent process. And separation anxiety can pop up anytime that there's a change or a transition happening in your family. It emerges as a coping mechanism in an attempt to slow or stop that change. And your child does this because they're not comfortable and they're looking for extra support and they need help in learning how to manage that situation. So you're going to see separation anxiety displayed very differently in an infant versus a school-aged child versus an adolescent. But the internal message that's being communicated there, regardless of age, is that I'm uncomfortable, I need help, and I'm trying my darndest right now to stop or slow this change from happening. So in that regard, it's a signal to you as a parent that your child needs something more. Now I want to be clear, separation anxiety is a situational development issue that needs to be addressed in a loving and caring way so that our kids learn to manage 
the strong emotions that they're feeling in a healthy manner. The goal is to create support for them and a process to guide them to confront the uncomfortable feelings and find a way to manage them. It is super important that we do not try to create an artificial situation that allows our children to avoid feeling uncomfortable. We can't save them from this because we would be creating an unsustainable situation that in the end, we can't control for all of their lives. We need to focus on helping them get through this, manage it, learn from it so that they can then apply it in the future on their own. Because learning to manage those uncomfortable feelings that create separation anxiety are important skills that they need for independence, self-confidence, and resilience. Now, I know this, this unusual story of a mother who snuck into her daughter's boarding school dorm room and lived with her there for three months uh, before she was found by the house staff. And the mother had been sleeping on the floor and eating box food in an attempt to try to help her 15-year-old daughter cope with the anxious feelings that she had about being away from home. Now, obviously, once the mother was found, um, she had to leave the premises, and her daughter was then immediately stuck living in this boarding house by herself now three months into the academic year with um, very few friendships made and that that abrupt change was way more brutal for her to to manage than if her mother and father had helped her confront those feelings and created a more gradual transition so she could learn to manage those feelings of separation, anxiety, and and be ready for that experience of boarding school. Um, some examples of that could have been sending her to some sleepaway camps or having her attend a school that was closer to home so maybe she could board a couple days a week but then go home and work up her tolerance to that or even reconsider boarding school if she just wasn't ready for that experience. And so what I want to say is sometimes even with the best intentions, such as this mother with her daughter and wanting to protect her and keep her from feeling those uncomfortable feelings, we might actually be creating an unsustainable situation that is ultimately going to create a very abrupt confrontation for our child when we lose control of maintaining that artificial situation. It would have been wiser to perhaps guide that daughter step by step for the realities and difficulties of being at boarding school. And that kind of approach would have given her the wings to enjoy all the benefits and opportunities as well as maximize her experience. So I guess the, the idea with that story is to say that it's very easy to think that we can swoop in and fix our child's situation to remove that anxiety, those uncomfortable feelings. But in the end, what we really need to do is help guide them to learn to manage those because they're going to pop up all throughout life. As we've talked about already, that separation anxiety is something that happens from birth all the way through adolescence. And even as adults, we feel it. So 
Learning early how to manage those situations is really important. To be able to help guide our children to manage separation anxiety, we need to start first by describing why it happens at each age and stage, as well as how it shows itself. And having that knowledge can help you really identify when your child's calling out for help in managing those strong feelings with expressions of separation anxiety. Again, to repeat, this separation anxiety is a natural developmental um, process and it is most often related to changes in situations or abrupt changes that your child just doesn't have the resources yet to manage. So let's review when it can occur and what it looks like. We normally start to see separation anxiety begin to display itself when babies are around nine or 10 months old. And what they do is they start to show some wariness around new people or experiences. And when mom and dad hold them and introduce them to people and talk to the people around them, they start to become familiar with the new people and then begin to enjoy engaging with them. So for little ones at this age, all parents have to do is just give them a hug, continue to hold them, and continue talking to new people, not not remove them from the situation or take them away from the new people, but just simply say, yep, we're here. This is a new person I'm introducing you to. They talk and hug and do all the normal things that happen. And over time, the baby starts to see like, oh, it's okay. Mom and dad say this person is okay, so I can relax and be okay with them too. Now at 12 to 18 months, there's a pretty significant shift. Learning how to interpret and manage feelings is a challenge for both parents and toddlers at this age. Toddlers require a lot of love, warmth, and comfort, as well as they need a lot of practice in giving these so that they learn how to give love and get satisfaction in pleasing their parents and caregivers. And the fact is, Toddlers enjoy giving and receiving love through hugs and kisses um, to to develop both emotionally and socially. But during this stage, these little ones will start to cling to parents' legs and avoid direct eye contact with strangers. And lots of parents will whisk them up in their arms and kind of keep them protected. And that is just the opposite of what we need to do. Instead, as parents, what we need to do when we see these behaviors in our little one is to just continue engaging in the new situation or with a new person and wait for our little one to slowly warm up and to begin to interact, not shield them or protect them because the little one needs to learn to express that love and receive the benefit or the, the positive response from that other person. And there's something magical that happens at that age that when they connect into that, they learn that they have positive power in relationships and that they can get attention and interaction with people through positive behaviors. Otherwise, they tend to focus on the negative ones, the tantrums, the crying, the meltdowns. And so as parents, we really want to focus on that loving side. 
and it can be really hard with toddlers. Sometimes we think that we don't have time or we're running, but really taking time for small moments to allow them to express their love and for us to give them back that positive feedback is so important. Because if they're rejected while trying to give love, toddlers will start to fill that void with some self-calming things such as um, rhythmic movements, maybe banging their head on the floor or thumb sucking, or they might start to use lots of tantrums or negative behaviors. And sadly, over time, that if they continue to be ignored or rejected as they try to give that love, it can create problems with sibling jealousy or possessiveness. So in the end, it really behooves us to take that time to keep our child in those kind of slightly uncomfortable situations with our support next, next to them and help them engage in interacting with different people in different situations so that they can learn to overcome that anxiety. And the good news is if it's properly managed, developmental separation anxiety normally disappears by 18 months because our babies know that they can safely separate from us and re-engage later without losing any love or attention. Two to three-year-olds have a slightly different separation anxiety. They normally experience that anxiety when they're going off to daycare or preschool or returning to places that they haven't been after an extended period of time. Say they've been home for vacation and they have to go back to their normal routine. And the reason why this happens is two to three year olds are looking or they're starting to look for a cause when they see an effect. And this means that little ones at this age can believe that they are the cause of an event that they see. They can learn that throwing a tantrum will delay mom or dad from leaving. And that cause of that tantrum has to be a strong negative emotion, such as anger or terror to get mom or dad's attention. So as you can see here, if in order to manage their separation anxiety, they start to have tremendous meltdowns and tantrums in order to grab mom and dad's attention so that they can slow down that change or transition that's happening. They start to connect the cause, which is terror or anger, to the effect of mom and dad staying or not having to deal with that separation. So it's not uncommon for parents um, of kiddos of this age to get confused that their preschooler is able to think like an adult. Um, Their growing vocabulary, their ability to link concepts symbolically can mimic adult thinking, but in reality, um, kiddos this age are very egocentric and concrete. They do not yet have the ability to think like an adult no matter what their verbal expression shows. So we can't read too much into what they're explaining about why they don't want you to go or why they, they, they have, um, why they're crying or why they're having their meltdown. What we need to do as parents 
is to be very matter of fact and simplistic in our explanations to our little ones at this age. We need to clearly state the cause and effect in simple terms and do not elaborate unless your little one asks for more. So if your little one is having a tantrum while you're trying to drop them off at daycare after Christmas vacation, you just say, honey, I see you're really upset right now. It will be okay. You know Miss Sarah who works here. She's going to take great care of you. Mommy loves you very much. I'm going to work and I will see you at the end of the day and be done. Not asking them why they feel the way they do because in the end, they don't know yet. They don't have the cognitive ability to describe what's going on. They just have separation anxiety. They just want to slow down or stop what's occurring. So by keeping our response to that very matter of fact and simplistic, we're going to help them learn to manage those feelings and understand that things will be okay. And more importantly, it will help them avoid linking unrelated emotions to external events. Now, slightly older children, ages four and five, are on the verge of expanding their world significantly with school attendance and starting activities. And they absolutely love this feeling of expansion in their sense of control of the world around them. And they enjoy becoming more and more independent. That said, they can and do get nervous in new situations. And you might see that they need a security object like a blanket or a toy, or even just mom or dad's hand to help them get in the door and warmed up before they can release from you and go enjoy the activity. The social interaction that they get from other adults and children is very stimulating to preschoolers, and it helps them form healthy attachments with other people outside the home and their immediate family. So we can support this as parents by helping our little ones learn how to express concepts such as feelings with simple terms that then they can share to other adults around them who may not know them as well. So helping them understand how to express them being happy, angry, hungry, tired, sad, joyful, or whatever feeling it may be, will help them learn how to express their needs in their expanding world with other adults. If we try to save our child from learning how to make those expressions in the world, and we make them rely on us as their parents to figure out what's wrong, what they need, and to give voice to that need to others, they ultimately are going to run into situations where their needs aren't being met because there's a delay time. If we're no longer in the classroom, how can they get their needs met if they don't know how to express it? So it's very important that we teach them those tools so they can feel that uncomfortable feeling and be able to express it to the people around them in a way that allows that adult to provide that care and comfort to them. Otherwise, they're going to be very uncomfortable and waiting for us to come back and save them. Now, once our kiddos become a little older in our school age, 6 to 12 years of age, 
they still can experience separation anxiety. And most often these come with changes like changing schools, moving homes, managing stressful situations like a natural disaster, uh, the loss of close friends, those types of things. And while school-aged children are developing intellectually and learning to understand the worldview of others through empathy, they're very insecure and need a lot of reassurance. Their natural motivation to try things, to achieve, to compete, and obtain recognition needs to be supported by us as parents who recognize their effort and encourage them to continue and not just focus on success in the activity. When stressful events occur, it's easy for that natural insecurity to become an additional barrier for our school-aged kiddos to overcome. They need us as parents to give them recognition for their achievement and their effort. And that will help them stay interested in meeting and managing the uncomfortable emotions that are going to occur whenever they try something new or have to manage changes in their life. Now teens ages 13 to 19 is a really big period of time with multiple different phases happening from early adolescence to middle adolescence to late adolescence and then emerging adulthood. But regardless of where they are at on that spectrum, it's normal that they also are going to experience separation anxiety at certain points. They may have it when they start attending sleepaway camps, when they go off to university, they begin living independently due to military service or work, or they have to change schools, they have to move homes, or they have a big change in their friendship group that might happen just naturally through peer socialization. But sometimes they also can suffer separation anxiety um, during adolescence with a life-threatening illness, the unexpected death of a family member or friend, or other things of that nature because of their ability to think abstractly. It really affects them deeply and it makes them think about that in terms of their internal workings. So maybe a friend's mother dies of breast cancer. That adolescent can think, oh my gosh, my mom might die of breast cancer and what would that mean to me? So we see separation anxiety quite frequently during the adolescent period for many different things from developmental issues socially all the way to major life events as in the death of a parent. Now, I have to say, this is a really large topic. Um, I spent a large part of my doctoral research on this, and I would love to continue to delve into the intricacies of how teens find themselves and become adults. But I need to park that for right now um, so we stay on topic with separation anxiety. But be assured, we'll address that in a future episode. For right now, regarding separation anxiety, I want you to remember that your teens can only separate as far as they feel they can manage themselves. If they have hesitancy, they're going to stay close to home because they need more and more of your support. And if they feel self-confident and assured, they're going to be able to move farther out into the world, becoming more and more independent. 
So with this, I want to close this episode on the general overview of separation anxiety at each age and stage. So we have that base set of what's in quotes normal. And in the next episode, we're going to talk about how COVID is actually making this normal separation anxiety more difficult for our kids and more pronounced. And more importantly, we're going to talk about some specific strategies that we can use as parents to help our kiddos manage this and face what's happening in a positive and healthy way. If you have any questions you'd like answered, don't hesitate to send me an email at deanna at deannamariemason.com. And always know you can find out more about development on my website, proactiveparenting.com. You can also find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by searching for my name, Deanna Marie Mason, and interact with a community of parents just like you. Finally, if you're interested in buying any of my books or online courses, they are also available on my website, proactiveparenting.com. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoyed this first part of the podcast on the developmental part of separation anxiety. And if you like the show, please don't forget to tell your friends so that they can be in on being a proactive parent too. So with that, I'll close this episode up. I'm Dr. Deanna Marie Mason. I wish you all the best. Take care and be well. And don't forget to tune in to part two on separation anxiety.